Welcome, friends, to this uh, fourth episode of the ongoing series, Purgatory, the Dogma Explored. I'm Father Clement Machado. As I mentioned uh, last time, we discussed how the fathers of the Church were able to come to some articulation as to purgatory, suffrages or prayers on behalf of the deceased, intercession according to what conditions. Today I'd like to bring references from the liturgy. As you know, the liturgy is that rule of faith that is being concretely translated into living worship. There is what is called Latin lex credendi, lex orandi, or the rule of prayer reflects the rule of faith, the doctrine of faith, the teaching of faith. Lex meaning a rule or law, precept or commandment. Thereby, the Christian worship must always be faithful to the Christian revelation in Jesus Christ. Christians were aware the way they lived, the way they celebrated the sacraments, or what they called mysterion, the mysteries, or sacramentum in the Latin West, had to be a serious, integral, substantial reflection of the faith. Nothing contrary to this faith that has been passed on by Christ to his church can ever be compromised. Therefore, the liturgy is one of those pure sources or witnesses of this teaching. Let us look at the early liturgies of the church, beginning right from the Eastern liturgies. At the time of the apostles, when they celebrated Eucharist, they were able to create a tone of worship. Each apostle had their own way of celebrating the Lord's Supper. However, they were always faithful to the essential elements. Some of the essential elements would include praying for the living as well as interceding for the dead. There is in the Eastern or Oriental Church liturgy what is considered the memento of the dead. It is a prayer for the deceased as well as their memory during various prayer services or prayer offices, not necessarily related to the Eucharist. As well, we see a development, a corpus of prayers solely dedicated to the deceased. I had mentioned the apostolic constitutions as giving such a witness and having a very prominent place among the Eastern Christians. The liturgy of Saint Blaisel the Great, one of those great liturgies practiced among hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Eastern Christians, have always had incorporated within it prayer or invocation for the deceased asking God on behalf of all those that have passed away and sleep in the hope of the future resurrection, asking God to have them rest in a place of light 
where sadness flees away. The Greek is very interesting and very telling when he talks about repose. He uses repose in a very transitory way until we have eternal repose, eternal rest, the place of light. Most of the masses, if not all, of St. Basil's liturgy over the centuries have been faithful to this practice. In the liturgy of St. Cyril, it states, Remember, Lord, our fathers, the Orthodox archbishops, patriarchs, who are dead, and all those whose memory we present to you. But sleep and rest in the faith of Jesus Christ. Lord, grant them and grant to their souls rest with their fathers. Not just a transitory rest, but eternal rest. And that's why he states, rest with their fathers. In the Coptic or Egyptian liturgy, these Greek or Arabic Christians would also invoke the Lord during their Eucharistic celebrations, their prayer offices, also known as the Divine Service or the Divine Office. The Ethiopian liturgy as well would contain the following prayer. We pray to you, Lord, for all those that have slept and all those that you will give rest to. The Jacobite liturgy which is handed on from the Chaldean or Syrian tradition, also has two particular texts, the Ordo Communis, the Common Order, and Ordo Generalis, or General Order of Prayer. States, remember, Lord, those that have died, and give them rest, and to those that you have robed in baptism, and you have received at your altar. The deacon would oftentimes continue this prayer and state that these souls may be welcomed into God's kingdom where they can participate in the banquet of eternal life, the heavenly Eucharist. In the liturgy according to James, there is a characteristic prayer. Here is the oblation presented, and here are the souls purified. May they have the rest of the deceased because it is offered for them. This oblation presented to God for the living and for the deceased. May it expiate the iniquity of the soul so that their sins may be remitted. Again, the liturgy articulating, expressing this great Christian doctrine and practice coming right from the heart of Christ himself, praying for the deceased that they may be liberated or purified. As you noticed, the Eastern Church Fathers as well as the Eastern liturgies do not conceive of purgatory as the West does. However, they do believe in praying for the dead. They might contest certain theological notions 
of purgatory that the Western Church has embraced or articulated over the centuries. The Western Church has among its elements of purgatory the whole notion of a punishment, a judgment. Whereas the Eastern Church places a great deal of focus on purification. Therefore, purgatory is developed in the West seems to have taken a whole reality of expiation, reparation for faults of sin, unrepented sin, or the damages to sin. Damages of sin. Whereas in the East, they would rather conceive it as something of God's love purifying. This created a great deal of friction, especially in the Middle Ages, as there was the great schism between the Eastern and Western Church. 1054 in the 11th century, we see how the positions rigidified, hardened over time. Let us continue how this Oriental liturgy pursued itself over the centuries. The liturgy known as St. Peter's Liturgy states, We make memory of all the deceased, and we pray for them wherever they may be. All people of all places, but principally for those for whom the sacrifice, the Eucharistic sacrifice, is offered. This is very interesting because at every Mass we can pray for everyone, those in need, extending God's abundant mercy. We know at every Eucharist there is an infinity of graces showered down. We know that the Mass actualizes, renders present in time the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so it is offered for all people of all times, of all places. However, there can be a special mention or special offering towards one or a few individual persons. Thereby, that great sacrifice of Calvary, somehow its graces are more focused in on one or a few individual souls. This very text refers to that great reality developing, articulated in the church. Thereby the custom of offering masses, individual mass intentions for individuals is seen and witnessed even amongst the Eastern Oriental churches. St. Clement uh, of Rome, as well as Clement of Alexandria, both east, one west, talk of prayers. St. Clement of Rome is rather vague. However, Clement of Alexandria does talk of prayer for the dead, and particularly for individuals, individual souls, individual people. The liturgy of James of Sarug, 
Bishop of Bataan, states, Remember, Lord, those that have are asleep in the true faith from Adam until now. Grant, Lord, the rest to these souls in which we remember them. Inscribe their names in your book of life. May all people join them. May all that are not condemned, rejected, or excluded from your kingdom be received. Lord, may they appear before you exempt from all sin. In the liturgy of Michael the Syrian and several others of Syrian extraction, we find again reference to the deceased in a general way or also in an individual application of prayer. In a sacramentary, what is a sacramentary? Most of uh, Catholic origin know the Missal. Another word for it is a sacramentary, a book containing the official prayers, the official liturgies of the Church. The sacramentary, known as that of Serapion, discovered in the last century, states, We pray for the repose of the soul of your servant or handmaiden. Grant rest to his spirit in a green, abundantly pastured place, full of peace, and may his body resurrect on the last day foreordained by you. Different liturgies of the East. However, it begs the question, what about the Occidental or Western liturgy, the Latin tradition? Let us open up this personal missalette to some of the liturgies of the present-day Roman Catholic rite, the Roman Catholic Church. In Eucharistic prayer number one, also known as the Roman canon, that dates back at least to the second century, virtually to the time of the apostles, it has been unchanged from the second century, states, we pray for the dead. When we come to what is called in Latin, the memento, remembrance for the deceased, we state, remember, we name the individual, whom you have called from this life. In baptism, he died with Christ, May he also share his resurrection. There is another commemoration, a more modern commemoration, of that same prayer in which we state, Remember, Lord, those who have died and have gone before us marked with the sign of faith, especially those for whom we now pray. We make mention of those individuals. You'll notice... This is relatively unchanged throughout the church, throughout the centuries. Any change has been more or less cosmetic. Let us look at Eucharistic prayer number three. What does it state? In its own memento or prayer on behalf of the deceased, 
It states, uh, look with favor on your church's offering and see the victim whose death has reconciled us to yourself. Again, mention of the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ in Calvary, made present to each and every Eucharist. It asks that we share everlasting life with the saints in heaven, with the Virgin Mary, and God himself. Then we come to a point after we pray that we remain in one communion with the Pope and the bishops, our shepherds, the clergy, the entire people of God. We state, welcome into your kingdom our departed brothers and sisters and all who have left this world in your friendship. Again, whether it's marked with a sign of faith or those that have left this world in your friendship, meaning those that have embraced the faith, those that have embraced God's grace, moving them to conversion, to repentance, and friendship with Him. Let us now look at Eucharistic prayer number four. What does its memento for the deceased state? We say, after praying for the whole church, again, a communion of faith and love among the Pope, the bishops, clergy, all the Christian assembly, brothers and sisters, remember those who take part in this offering, those here present, and all your people, and all who seek you with a sincere heart. Now, this is the line where we arrive at prayer for the deceased. Remember those who have died in the peace of Christ. Again, we're not just praying for everyone. We're not praying for those that have not converted have not repented of their sin, have not embraced God in some form through Christ. We say, though, remember those who have died in the peace, in the grace, in the saving and amazing grace and faith of Christ. Faith in Christ is essential in order to have an effective prayer for them. And all the dead whose faith is known to you alone. The funeral liturgies of the Roman Catholic Church are very interesting because once again it makes mention of prayer, intercessory prayer on their behalf. There is no one of any church or tradition that states we cannot intercede on behalf of other people. In other words, we cannot pray for each other. If we, the living, can pray for each other, what prevents us from assisting those that have left this world yet still have some issues that are unresolved of sin, attachment to sin? We state in the entrance antiphon, the Latin version goes on to state, Requiem eternum dona, Eis Domini et lux perpetua luciat eis. Requiem eternum, eternal rest. Give them eternal rest, O Lord, and may perpetual light shine on them forever. Now, if we presume they were at rest or eternally damned, we would not bother with such a prayer, with such a sentiment. The opening prayer goes on to state, Almighty God, our Father, we firmly believe that your son died and rose to life, we pray for our brother or sister, whoever they may be, 
who has died in Christ, not died outside Christ, outside Christ's invitation to grace, to faith, but those that have died in Christ. Raise him or her at the last day to share the glory of the risen Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. There's another version or alternative to this prayer. God, you have called your son or daughter from this life. Father of all mercy, fulfill his or her faith and hope in you. Once again, we talk about faith and hope. Our prayers are effective, our intercessions are effective in the measure that we presume that such and such a person, Michael, John, or Jane, that has passed away, has faith, hope in Jesus Christ. Lead him safely, lead her safely home to heaven to be happy with you forever. In the offertory prayer or the prayer over the gifts, the same funeral mass liturgy states, Lord, receive the gifts we offer for the salvation. Now, does that mean they have passed away and they're not saved, but we can pray that they're saved? What it means is they are saved, but they haven't reached the reward that they have inherited. They are not enjoying the fullness of all that they had sowed. So salvation is not in a first sense, but rather in a very secondary sense. Of course, a person can be saved only within this earthly life. However, if after this life they need purification, they have not reached the final destination of their salvation. The prayer after communion states, Lord God, your Son Jesus Christ gave us the sacrament of his body and blood to guide us on our pilgrim way to your kingdom. We're all pilgrims journeying even in and through and out of this life. May our brother, sister, who shared in the Eucharist come to the banquet of life Christ has prepared for us. So once again, we're interceding. They have left this world, but somehow they're not sharing the banquet of Christ. They seem to be on a pilgrim journey. This is a very interesting image we are given. They're pilgrims. They're still on a pilgrimage. At least, we presume so. A further example of a funeral liturgy would be the following. Here's another entrance antiphon. Just as Jesus died and rose again, so will the Father bring with him those who have died in Jesus. Just as in Adam all men die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Alleluia. That is a funeral mass during the Easter season. And here's another opening prayer. Lord, hear our prayers. By raising your Son from the dead, you have given us faith. Faith. Justification by faith. Justification by grace. Justification by a living faith that produces good fruits. Strengthen our hope that our brother or sister will share in his resurrection. Here's an, another example of the offertory. Lord, we are united in this sacrament by the love of Jesus Christ. Accept these gifts and receive our brother or sister into the glory of your Son. 
The prayer after communion of this very same Mass goes on to state, Lord God, may the death and resurrection of Christ which we celebrate in this Eucharist bring our brother or sister the peace of your eternal home. Once again, we are not presuming that the person is enjoying the fullness of heaven, the glories of heaven, but rather is in transit. And somehow while they are in transit, or they may be, there is a possibility that they're in transit, we at least are putting all the chances on their side by praying on their behalf. Let us now pray. Lord God, through the prayers and liturgies of your church, you show us great confidence uh, in praying for the dead. All confidence, all prayers are addressed to you, for you live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Until the next time, I bid you adieu.